It's us again. Welcome back to the FPL Lounge podcast. We have taken an extended break, but we are back post this international break to preview game week eight. And uh, I don't know about Andy, but my team definitely needs all the help it can get. My name is Chris Hopkins, and I am joined, as ever, by the £1 billion release clause to my released on a free. It's Andy Case. Andy, that's, uh, that was a reference to, is it Pedri or Gavi? One of I don't even know now. It, like I mean, that's an insane amount, but they're both like 18, 17 in, in the Spain squad, holding their own against the world champions. I know, I know we've got Bellingham, but you look at other international teams and you feel a bit jealous, I think, of their, of, of, I guess, of their kind of proper young players in their academy and all the more pertinent due to this international break. Yeah, I guess so. Um, I don't know loads about them. I haven't really seen them play much, Pedri and Gavi, but you read a lot of uh, good things about them. And um, obviously they got to the, the final of the of the Nations League, Spain. So, um, and by, by all accounts, are kind of arguably the better team against France as well in the final. So, although I didn't see it. So, yeah, I mean, we've got, we've got to, for once, though, we've got to be happy about uh, the English talent coming through. Obviously, Foden looks ridiculous. Uh, yeah, you mentioned Bellingham. Sancho, Greenwood, who hasn't played much for England recently. So, yeah, we're, do- we're doing all right ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, obviously, it's been a long time since we last recorded. How how are you? Are you doing well? Obviously, uh, you know, listeners won't know, but we did we did see each other face to face, physically, shared a hotel room. That was, uh, I mean, that was probably one of the least sexy things in the world, but we did as we sat in our sat in our pants eating crisps, watching Strictly Come Dancing rerun. Well, in fairness, we were watching the NFL, and I think oh, you've probably right. given away a little bit too much information to the listener there. But um, I suppose technically, a lot of the things you said were 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 accurate. Um, but yeah, no, um, I'm 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 doing all right. I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, as you as you alluded to at the start, my FPL team's probably uh, probably suffered from the lack of um, focus, perhaps that that it's had. But um, but no, all good really. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's start, I guess, by uh, slightly addressing the elephant in the room. Not that it is not that it necessarily needed to be addressed, but obviously we have taken an uh, an extended break over the last few weeks. Uh, unfortunately, uh, my dad passed away, so uh, as 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 is understandable, um, we decided to take a break from from recording the podcast. Uh, those that listened to our last show, the game week five preview will have noticed that we were recording incredibly late it was littered with uh, editing issues which was down to a severe lack of sleep and and, and things like that but obviously yeah it ended up being um you know being more important things going on in both of our lives and unfortunately yeah although our fpl teams uh both of our fpl teams i think have suffered have suffered since um you know obviously it was important for for myself to take take that time out and to focus on focus on family and focus on on myself there are of course bigger things uh, than fpl i did find it slightly ironic at least to myself that um my dad uh, absolutely despised fantasy football uh if you can indulge me an anecdote um my my uncle used to, he he runs his own fantasy football league where he and he's been doing this for, for for years even before well maybe not before the internet but definitely around like dial-up connection type thing and he has like a bidding night so it's i guess it's the closest thing to it in modern parlance is like the fpl draft whereby only one person can have any one player except you get a fictional budget and you and, and you actually bid for them in kind of some sort of faux faux auction and i remember going when i was about 10 or 11 and i won the first year didn't didn't win again but my, i was like oh dad do you not want to come along and he was just like absolutely not like i cannot think of anything worse than sitting in a room with you like football weirdo nerds 
like till, till 11 30 at night I was like you only got to do it once a season he was just like nah I'm not doing it he was I guess a very like literal man but also like, he didn't really want anything to do with yeah fancy football or betting on football didn't just as long as as long as he would go to the games or play and you know get his get his knees dirty then that's that's all that really was uh that's all that really that mattered to him. Just yeah, he would not have understood the, the podcast. He definitely wouldn't have understood the subject of the podcast. But, um, so which kind of made it a little bit more uh, ironic that we had to take a break uh, because because unfortunately he had passed away. But yeah, uh, just find it kind of kind of ironic that uh, yeah, a bit of a tribute to him, even though the fact that he would not have understood what the hell I was spending all of my time speaking to Andy about, and uh, definitely would not have ever ever indulged himself in playing FPL himself. Yeah, well, I mean, like I think the listeners will more than indulge you a, a, an anecdote, Chris. And um, yeah, ov- obviously, look, people people listening to this show, I'm sure many of the people who do listen, because you know, frankly, we're probably not as large as we as we hope we are. So probably a lot of the people listening do 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 probably know know that already. But 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 even if you're if 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 you don't, uh, you know, hope you will. I'm sure I'm sure you'll you'll, you'll understand uh, you'll understand what 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 Chris is saying here and what why we feel the need to kind of explain explain the absence i mean ultimately as as chris said that you know there are there are we, we, we love fpl that's why we do a podcast about it but there are bigger there are bigger things in life and this 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 was one of those moments where um where you know we had to just prioritize prioritize the those bigger things that were that were going on i mean yeah i'm, I'm sure i'm sure um those, those people who are who are listening to us now do, do listen for hopefully some kind of kind of advice on 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 fpl or something that you think is of benefit even if it's um more from an entertainment standpoint than a, than an actual helpful um fpl standpoint but i, I wouldn't stand here and, and promise that we necessarily deliver that either but but so so yeah what whilst whilst i guess what i'm what i'm trying to get at is what whilst the 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 sort of um explanation i guess that, that chris has given and, and kind of you know revealing the information it isn't necessarily uh the, the lightest thing to hear and what what you may be maybe tune in for i think we like we like to think as well when we're when we're doing this show that you kind of get to know who we are a little bit and like um we're you know I, we are i think our, our part our respective partners might well say we kind of are who we are on the show like not on the show as well and and um oh, mine don't listen <laughs> no way well, no we got, we, we got no hope if she doesn't even <laughs> listen have we but no I, I mean yeah we 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 felt it would be like well obviously i say we but you know this is this is this is chris chris's decision obviously to 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 share this and i think he and and i we 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 would have felt it was kind of inauthentic to kind of just just ignore it so ho- hopefully you're if you give us that and and of course yeah but you know as i've said to chris in person i'm sure i'm sure the rest of our listeners will 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 be saying as well obviously all our thoughts with with you chris and with, with your with your family and yeah just such a such an awful situation yeah thank you very much thank you very much but yeah uh let's 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 park that i think uh, i'm sure you know might come up at some point uh yeah in the future but that's let's leave it for now and let's start by looking ahead to game week eight as i did mention earlier i think andy and i's team definitely in game week seven took a massive hit uh so we are keen to get our seasons back on track but obviously all also worth uh mentioning there no 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 need to panic just yet 
Uh, but game week eight is on the horizon. Game week eight's deadline is Saturday the 16th of October at 11 o'clock. And that's because with no Friday night football, the first fixture of the weekend is Watford versus my dad's team versus Liverpool. Uh, then we've got a spate of three o'clock kickoff. So in alphabetical order, it's Aston Villa Wolves, then Leicester Man United, Man City Burnley. That's almost certainly going to end 5-0. Norwich Brighton and then Southampton Leeds. Uh Finishing off Saturday is Brentford versus Chelsea in the tea time kickoff. Sunday sees Everton face West Ham and Newcastle play Spurs. Uh, first first game for the for the fans at St James's Park to um, experience with their new owners. And uh, finally, a Monday night at football: Arsenal versus Crystal Palace. So, Andy, I mean, usually, um, I mean, this feels a bit of a weird podcast, I think, from from our point of view, just because it feels like we're almost starting from scratch, partly, I guess, because of the international break, but obviously primarily because of the break that, that, that we've taken. Um, I think what's also not helped, and I guess we might as well be upfront about this now, is that we are both... Well, you're definitely wildcarding. You've clicked the button. I haven't quite clicked the button yet, but I'm, I'm likely to be wildcarding. So it does feel like we're almost starting with a bit of a clean slate, but irrespective of that we are coming off off an international break and those press conferences some of which were held today but some are going to be obviously held tomorrow we're, we're recording sort of thursday early evening um are going to be really interesting because your know, players have traveled around the world again um no quarantine restrictions this time but uh but yeah you know players have been on international duty some of them have played you know, two three games some of them have played a lot of minutes um and there are going to be there are going to be injuries but equally those players that perhaps didn't go on an, on international break because of an injury or a niggle that they picked up before uh, are likely to be fit again so it is all about listening to those press conferences and if you are making a big decision at this game week as fixtures have turned like Andy and I likely are by wildcarding I guess it's hard to not just focus on game week eight I know there are that there are a few players that we might pick out on our radar that are maybe doubts for this week but still we like going forward yeah, I mean, it's nice to know some things don't change, isn't it? And if anyone has been missing the FPL lounge from their weekly routine, they'll be comforted by the fact that shock horror in the talking points section, we're discussing press conferences and potential injuries. I mean, it's not like we don't seem to do that every single week, but no, it is, it is a particularly key. There's a lot of flags kicking about in FPL at the moment. And um, some of them are, I think, legitimate and some of them are not. Like there's some like Rafinha's flagged because he might come because he's coming back late from Brazil but FPL don't know like when he'll come back or how much he'll play tonight or realistically how much of a risk that is to him um, starting or featuring at some point for Leeds so really the be- the best thing you can do is listen to the press conferences to get the best information this this week because um, you know, for example, other flags, including Chelsea players, Lukaku, Rudiger, they're because their team's games weren't really that important, their international team's games. And so they kind of came back early and the teams have to, the international teams have to, can't just say we gave them the the game off because it wasn't really a big game. They have to say, oh, they've got a slight muscle injury or something like that. So, you know, we sent them home just to be safe type thing when really they probably haven't really got any kind of problem. And you'll, you'll, you'll kind of re if you, you, if you listen to the the press conferences, you, you, you might well kind of gather that. So I can't, you can't, I can't be sure at this stage, but I'd suspect, you know, there might be quite a few players who, who might, might well end up playing, but yeah, it's, um, if you're on, if you're on wildcard or not, you're probably looking at your team, you're thinking who to get in, who to not. And, um, that, that information, uh, we, you know, the fact that there isn't a Friday night football, this week helps on that front um, because you, you've got longer to kind of gather as, as much of that information as possible and make sure it informs your decisions. 
Absolutely, yeah. I can see me making my final decision, sort of, you know, maybe in bed on Saturday morning with a you know, veggie sausage sandwich. I imagine that's probably going to be vaguely where where I'm at. Yeah, see, Linda McCartney. I can see the 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 look you're giving me over our um, you know video software is just say rolling, turn your nose up at, at veggie sausage. But well, I think... feel like I feel like you've baited me into it. It seemed to me like you went out of your way to make a point of the fact that you was it was a veggie sausage sandwich specifically that you were going to have. Well, we've and already we've already said on this podcast that we're, we're trying to be you know our authentic true selves. And I was gonna say bacon sandwich, but I just wouldn't. It wouldn't be that. It would it would be a veggie sausage now. Why why would it though? Why would it not just be a sausage sandwich? Because I haven't got any sausage. Well, I don't. I don't buy sausages anymore. I just buy veggie, veggie ones. Why? Linda McCartney. Why is your partner? Uh, no, it's, I. I just. I just. No? Well, it's it's a change I made post veganuary. Maybe we'll just save that for the veganuary podcast, which will be coming up in three months' time. Um, as I mean, I'm. I so you don't eat sausages stuff. anymore. You only eat veggie sausages. I don't buy them. I would eat them like if I was getting a fry up out. I think. But yeah. I don't. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't buy them. I haven't bought bacon or sausages since 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 December last year. Since 2020, that's like one big change I've made to my diet. And also, I don't buy cow milk anymore. I drink oat milk. What? Wow. Well, you didn't know about you think, me. You think you know someone? We didn't. We didn't you cover this we... when we were in our hotel room, did we? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. Definitely. No, we, had definitely. More, we had we had more interesting things to do. Yeah. Clearly. Clearly. Anyway. But yeah. I'm the point being. I think I'll be making my decision kind of yeah you know, pretty 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 late. But but yeah, it does feel like you know the amount of flags in my current team just means that wildcard feels feels almost inevitable anyway. And as you said, Andy, one of the uh, one of the reasons perhaps we had this game week earmarks for wildcarding anyways because some fixtures turn some fixtures turn incredibly favorably and i guess the the big team which that applies for in a positive light is chelsea um you know their next four i think that's before the next international break as well from our discussion that we had last night and the next four brentford who yeah okay have a good defense but newly promoted team norwich leaking good leaking goals uh, newcastle leaking goals and burnley leaking goals and i think they're three teams probably if not in the relegation zone, definitely in and around the relegation zone. Um, so load up on Chelsea assets, right? But I guess the difficulty, as ever with these big teams, is, is, is which ones. And you know, it feels pretty straightforward up front. But even then, there are some doubts over over Lukaku, as you said, due to his flag, but also three games without scoring before the international break. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just to be clear for for listeners, because Chris's transition was so seamless, he uh, he didn't even happen to mention that I think we I think if I've if I've if I've got the right drift from him here, he's steering us into the players on the radar segment. So yeah, looking That's... at some looking at some players on the radar, um, Chelsea Chelsea players uh, do do come up big for for those reasons that that, that Chris has said there. Really, yeah, that that fixture turn is just fantastic. I mean. There was some concern over Chelsea being a bit less creative. I think, I think, had we done previews for game weeks before the international break, it would have been interesting to see what we were saying and uh, at the time because Chelsea really didn't look as good, uh, and, and Lukaku wasn't as getting as many chances or therefore goals. Um, so that that does concern me a little bit. However, you know, when we were doing back when we were doing shows in kind of August and September. Chelsea looked like an absolute machine. I couldn't get Lukaku in my team quick enough. If they get back to anywhere like that level of performance with these fixtures coming up, he's just going to score an absolute boatload of goals. So I think Lukaku has to be on your mind. I mean, even if Chelsea don't play well, right? Okay, Brentford this week, but Norwich, Newcastle next two, like your best two fixtures for attacking teams, like the two worst defences in terms of expected goals conceded in the league. So 
Lukaku is just an unbelievable option. And I'm seeing some chat around about Werner. He's been getting on the ball more. He's been starting more for Chelsea. He's a lot cheaper than Lukaku. But look, it's not like Lukaku's not going to play. If Werner plays, Lukaku is not going to be in place of Lukaku. So just trust Lukaku much, much more as a finisher. And I think you have to be strongly considering him. Yeah, I think I think Werner's burnt us uh, too many times before. I mean, let's pose this question, Andy. The, the official FPL scouts selection for Game Week 8 has just come in and he has, doesn't have Lukaku. He has Jamie Vardy in his team instead. I mean, obviously it's a little bit different because this is a you know the selection is a one week punt uh, every week. So can you can you understand that in Game Week 8 or is that something that perhaps you wouldn't do and I guess your you, you know the strength of feeling that you have about Lukaku is because of the fixture run rather than just this specific one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if I tell you that I could absolutely see Vardy scoring this week, you'd, you'd say to me it's because I'm an over-pessimistic Man United fan. But um, I think I think you've got every right to be an over-pessimistic fan, Man United fan uh, when you don't have Varane or Maguire up at the back. Yeah, and even when we have had them recently, we haven't kept, I think we've kept one clean sheet in 12 games in all competitions all season. So with them playing. So... Um, not obviously not in every game, but in a lot of them. So, yeah, I think um, I could definitely see Vardy scoring this week. But is it a better shout than than Lukaku? And like you say, particularly over the long run, uh, the, the scout doing his article gets to just make selections just for the one week, as you say. I mean, that would be an interesting version of FPL, I reckon. Basically, just wild cards every week. You could just have any fifteen that you that you wanted. That would be that would be an interesting sort of twist on the game. But anyway, without getting diverted down that tangent. Um, it, uh, yeah, I think because the fact we you can't do that and it's uh, it you're picking for the longer term. I mean, to be fair, I don't think Leicester's fixtures are necessarily like awful. Um, they're not they're not fantastic. Uh, you know, like I said, I think they def- definitely could score against United. Then it's Brentford, Arsenal, Leeds before the next international break. Um, however, though those for those ones for Chelsea obviously just look like in- in- incredible, really. So. Um, it's it's a good like if we were doing a honey trap mm. who like who's going to score more goals before the next international break mm. uh Lukaku or Vardy I mean yeah yeah, yeah. It, it'd be tempting like Lukaku would would probably be most people's most people's choice but you could see I mean you, you could see Vardy outscoring him just yeah, over he's a stretch usually, got, ball, usually got a pretty good record against some of the bigger teams as well and obviously United's defense this week is uh isn't looking as strong as 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 it as it would be ordinarily. So yeah, possibly an interesting one. But you know, just on our production notes sheet, Andy has written Lukaku get him in. So I mean, if that doesn't say the strength of feeling about Lukaku in general, but yeah, I don't not convinced it's necessarily the greatest one week punt. Uh, I'm a big Brentford fan, but um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah, the fixtures are just are so, are so difficult to ignore. And yeah, any any chat about Werner over Lukaku. I don't care where you might be distributing those other funds. There's absolutely no way that anyone can convince me that that's a good idea. Um, what is a bit more, or a bit less clear cut, let's say, a bit more, a bit more muddled, is uh, are the Chelsea Chelsea's defensive assets. And I think again, on our giving our you know, production notes a bit of a plug, I think I've listed six Chelsea defenders. I feel a bit sorry for Christensen because he's not on here, but you know, it's so hard to 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 really know who's I guess who's nailed on to start, Andy? But then second, 
you know which position that even they're, they're going to play it you know, in i guess alonso is probably the uh, most obvious left wing back there is and um, if chelsea were to play four at the back he's probably less of a good option um and then equally you know as for laqueta and reese james to play right wing back and right center back this year depending on what trevor chalaba has been doing rudiger i guess is is a pretty much an out and out center back he's one of the cheaper options but they're also still all fairly expensive apart from chalaba so where on earth do you go here well, Rudy's not even that cheap anymore. He's 5.8 million. So, yeah, it is tricky. Chalibur and Christensen. To be fair, I think Christensen should probably should be in there. He was your preseason darling of the Chelsea defenders. And he's played a lot more than I sort of thought he would do. Um, so, uh, given he's 5 mil um, still, he, he could definitely be in there. Because, you know, that, that equates to obviously 0.8 million saving on even Rudiger. So... Um, the, the trouble for Jonas him and was not on this as well. I mean, I guess that I guess that, that that is the difficulty. You know, we've listed six there, of which you wouldn't really have given Trevor Chalaba much of a look in. But every time he's played, you think he's basically got an attacking return. And there's two on here that we haven't listed, so that just means that there's eight, you know, eight players vying for what five spots, and it's hard. It's hard. I mean, that for me, the only nailed two when fit are Aspilicueta and Rudiger, and. At the moment, Rudiger has a flag. Again, that's one of the ones I alluded to earlier. It could be kind of just a, a ruse from why he left Germany early. But if that if that is some kind of genuine injury, that puts doubt in your mind. So basically, the way I've approached this, I feel like you have to have, or I, you know, we don't like to tell people what's doing their team. So the approach I've taken is, I feel I have to have a Chelsea defender in my team over this stretch. There's so few teams consistently keeping clean sheets that they just look like good for at least two, maybe three over that stretch of four games, Brentford, Norwich, Newcastle, Burnley. So I, I have to have one. Ideally, as as long-time listeners will know, Chris and I obviously, and you know, well, it's not even just us. It's, it's obviously a very common trend, trait of FPL uh, managers that, you, you know, we prefer wing-backs because they can get you attacking returns as well. But um, so my, my instinct would be to go to, and always has been to go towards a James or Alonso or a Chilwell in this instance. But... We just can't know. I think Alonso was obviously great. If, if, I, if I'd if i known how much Alonso was going to play um, in the first seven games of the season, he would 100% have been in my team at, at the start of the year, no doubt. He's, been, he, he, he's, a, he's a consistent returner. And the same for Chilwell, consistent returner when they start in that Chelsea team. But you just don't know which of them. I mean, it almost is 50-50 for this weekend. You, you, you know, uh, what what one might call a Lamar of a decision, or what we might have called a Lamar back in the day, Chris, when we used to when we used to work together. That phrase got chucked around I, a lot. I know one listener is going to be very excited about that reference. So. Does he even Does he even listen? Yeah, oh yeah, Jack loves it. He oh loves right, it. I thought you were talking about uh, uh, Big Loz, but no. Um, yeah, Alon- Alonso or Chilwell. Um, you, if you if you if you take a punt on one, I think you'll and they start, you'll be laughing. But you know, even if they start this week against Brentford, do they then start against Norwich? Do they start against Newcastle? There's Champions League to throw in there as well. Um, it, it midweek. Uh, so even if you think you've worked out who who Tuchel's preferred one is, uh, does that mean you play them, put them in your in your FPL team, or do you think they might play in the Champions League? So really, really difficult. Um, I think um, I, I just different people play differently. I don't think I can trust um, going to one of those. It's an, it's frustrating that I've had to spend six point one million to get a Chelsea defender in my team, Aspilicueta, but that's that's what I've gone for just because it's the one I, I can only one that I really at this stage can guarantee is going to play this game week. 
Yeah, and I guess when he has played wing back, he has got attacking returns. So I guess that is kind of the the, the upside of him compared to a Rudiger. Um, as you say, you know they're not acting that different in price now. Uh, it was you know was I think probably 0.5 at the start of the season, it's just 0.3 now. So I can see why uh, why that you know you're not it's not much of a reach to go through a guy that does have uh, more attacking returns if he if he does end up playing wing back which he has occasionally this season um i guess we haven't really spoken at all about chelsea midfielders andy and it's a bit of a difficult one um there aren't any that stand out massively i know we're both big mason mount fans from a football point of view but not necessarily from an fpl point of view um wouldn't shock me if him being back in the team he does end up getting some some attacking returns again but um i think there are possibly better options at his price point and we may have come on to those a little bit later uh, but we did just want to flag up Mateo kovacic uh, having some you know sort of pretty good uh, season in terms of returns this year obviously is sort of you know, generally speaking a defensive midfielder but due to some of Kante's availability he has played a bit more obviously Saul Niguez hasn't done anything since joining Chelsea either so Kovacic seems to uh, seems to have sort of nailed his nailed his position alongside Jorginho and is the more attacking of the two and he just has you know decent underlying numbers for his price for a midfielder so yeah if you are going big perhaps on the Chelsea um, you know ultimately Chelsea defenders are a premium prices Chelsea strikers are as premium prices but if you want to triple up on them then perhaps Kovacic of 5.2 million is possibly the way to go yeah I don't think that's the worst shout ever before the season I'd have said no way he didn't play enough he's a bit too defensive when he does play um, and actually I think a lot of his underlying numbers have come from the fact that Mount and Havertz haven't been playing as much recently so he has had that license to get forward like you've said so I wonder, it'll be very interesting. I think Chelsea's um, le- lack of creativity recently has been because they moved to a 3-5-2 formation. And it'll be interesting to see with Mount fit again, whether they go back to the 3-4-3 that served them so well in the earlier part of the season. Because if it does, I don't think that necessarily means Kovacic doesn't play. Um, it will depend on the fitness of Kante and, and, and Jorginho. But um, if he does, he, he, he will be you know deeper. So it, it makes him less attractive. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, let's crack on. I mean, I guess uh, obviously Chelsea's fixtures have turned for the better. A team whose fixtures have turned seriously for the worst are West Ham United. And I think that was something that Andy and I flagged way back in our season preview pods, our FPL lounge long weekend. And it kind of tempered us uh, from getting too many West Ham assets in at the start of the season. Um, I think it leaves us a question regarding Mikel Antonio, Andy. And I guess we've kind of going to have a bit of a debate on this one, whether to keep him or sell him. Um, obviously, he's had an incredible start to to the season. He is the second highest scorer in the game. Um, but with the fixtures that West Ham have coming up, which, you know, like I say, are, 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 are pretty difficult. Um, I think they've got, uh, they've got Everton, Tottenham, Villa and Liverpool in their next four. And I think it gets even more difficult after that, too. Um is he worth maybe moving moving on from? Obviously, you know, his a lot of his returns come in the first three games where he got double digit returns. I think he's only had one since then. You know, I guess what kind of feeds into what what is in his favour is that there doesn't aren't really many ideal replacements for him. Yeah, this is this is a really tricky one, and in in and of itself, it's a difficult decision to make. But it has probably quite an influence on the money you have available. Um, other, particularly for so you and I, Chris, it's, it's a big question this week because it's quite pivotal about what happens with the rest of our team on wildcard. Um, so he is the highest owned forward in the game at the moment, which is nuts, even higher than Lukaku and Ronaldo. And I think probably a lot of that is obviously to do with his price and his obviously returns in the early part of the season. So 
it's almost like in a really negative sense, what's making me mainly lean towards keeping him on my wildcard draft at the moment is that you could be absolutely stuffed if he does manage to return. I mean, you know, the, whilst those fixtures aren't the most straightforward, you know, surprisingly Everton have been, I mean, this, uh, this completely shocked me when we looked it up the other day, Chris, but Everton, the second best team in the league for expected goals conceded. I think that's like going sneaky under the radar that, um, they they have had a decent start of fixtures, so that that has to be said. But still, you know, nonetheless, only City have got a better record defensively when it t- comes to expected goals conceded um, that than Everton. So so it isn't the most straightforward this fixture, but um, you know, perhaps against a team like West Ham who are more creative, Everton might start to kind of regress to the mean a little bit there. Um, and Tottenham the next one, Villa the next one, so. You know, teams that in the past have had patchy performances defensively, um, albeit that uh, Villa are are kind of also doing a little bit better in the first half of this season than than they were late last year. So um, you could could see him scoring. You could see West Ham. West Ham have been, you know, conversely, one of the most creative teams in the league to this point in the season. Um, Third for expected goals created uh, after Liverpool and Man City. So... uh, with with, uh, with that creativity and like you say lack of options to to take the number nine role although Ben Rama and Bowen and others have played there in the Carabao Cup um you'd think that's a lot of chances to get fed through him and 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 um yeah he he, he it's not like you you can't see him scoring against these teams whatsoever so that's kind of what's making me feel like kind of keeping him and and obviously like I said the the, the negative <laughs> the kind of really sort of um yeah, no, I guess ne- negative way of looking at it that you could just be stuffed if he does return. Yeah, I think that's the, that's the big worry for me. I mean, I've got two two wildcard drafts and he's not in either of them at the minute. But yeah, it's just, it's just like, as you say, if he returns, you get stung massively. And uh, and yeah, you, you, know, you could see him definitely scoring against these sides, even though the fixtures do turn a little bit and West Ham will continue to juggle the Europa League, which it must be said they have done pretty well uh, so far. Um, although obviously Antonio was suspended for a Premier League game, which made it a little bit easier for him uh, him to be uh, to be sort of fit and firing for for them in in the Europa League. Uh, let's move on and to I guess two two enablers really two cheap uh, cheap players a midfielder and a forward that we both like and definitely both putting on the radar. I think partly because they've got uh, fairly decent fixtures as well. Uh, Brentford's Brian Buemo is probably the first one. Um, he has the fifth highest expected goal involvement among all midfielders in the game uh, this so far this season. Obviously, that's seven game weeks old. Um, five and a half million pounds. I don't think he's had a price rise yet. Um, I mean, here's a question. Why hasn't he had a price rise yet? You know, his form has been pretty good. He's got good underlying numbers. He's pretty cheap. Are there just better options, Andy? I feel, or is it? Has everyone been waiting for Brentford's fixtures to turn as they are? Not quite this week because obviously they've got Chelsea, but 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 sort of after this, I think they they start to get a bit nicer. Yeah, the next two are Chelsea and Leicester, but then after that, it's Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle. So perhaps, I mean, I, I, I think there are a fair few people wildcarding this week, so I'm surprised that it hasn't risen just because of people kind of bringing him in, him in for that. But maybe people are like looking to the long term. Maybe yeah, um, trying. Try, planning a fixed uh, a transfer in for later down the line but no I don't see why not it's, it's not like we, we he skirted around the edge of the radar didn't he earlier in the season we had this chat but where basically you said and I think it's probably borne out ultimately he's not as good a finisher as Tony but he's like a million cheaper he gets an extra point for a goal because he's classified as a midfielder on the game and he's such a massive enabler in your squad having having a starting 
midfielder playing as a forward at, at that price at 5.5. Um, yeah, uh, you know, although it's slightly hypocritical because we criticise someone like Bamford for not converting all their XG, ultimately, with the amount of expected goal involvement he's getting, um, if, he, if, he, if he only converts a bit of it, then great at his price at 5.5 and, and like I say, five points for every goal. So, um, yeah, but one I'm very interested in and uh, with that with that fixture run coming after Chelsea Leicester, you know, Burnley, Norwich, Newcastle for someone playing quite often as the most advanced player, even ahead of Tony for, for Brentford, uh, you, you, you really would be hoping for some returns. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it is worth us highlighting that Brentford fixture run as well, because their defenders are, uh, you know, are still fairly cheap. I think 4.6 is the most expensive they are. So, yeah, I don't think they're quite on the radar this week for us, especially with their next two games. But I think we want, might be mentioning those in in coming weeks. And then, um, I mean, obviously, we've well, I have explained at the start of the show why we took an extended break. And that does mean that any tweets that have come from the FPL Lounge account over the last few weeks have been all from uh, Mr. Andy Case. So uh, you will not be surprised to hear that this this guy might be uh, getting whanged into into our teams. Well, in some ways, I think he's a damning indictment on the usual content we put out on Twitter because I think that was probably the most liked tweet we've ever had from the FPL Land Twitter account was my absolute terrible joke about whanging him in my team. Yeah, um, but yes, um, Huang of of Wolves and South Korea is is also making an appearance on the radar this week, and um, I feel like. I feel like wrong almost for having him on there because I feel like I'm having him on there as a little bit of a gut reaction a little bit. Like, um, I don't know if it ended up making it onto the show earlier in the season, but when Huang first appeared on the scene, I was quite keen to get him on the radar. And me and Chris had quite a long discussion about whether he should or shouldn't be on there. And I think we decided not to in the end because he hadn't really had enough minutes. Um, it's, rare that, it's rare that I have to put my foot down, but I did have to put my foot down when you wanted to put him on the radar, having scored a tap like from half a yard after playing 26 minutes in a game. But to be fair, you know what we want to try and be is a bit ahead of the curve here. And you did obviously spot something in him um, that... Yeah, that has come has come to fruition. I think you know, one of the reasons why I put my foot down was that you know I think we were, we had to wait and see if he ever got a start, and he has since got starts, and he's looked pretty good. So now's the time, and his price is obviously a massive plus as well. I mean, I will admit to having a fetish for tapping merchants though as well, right? Because I think if you, I've probably said to you before that if if someone asked me who my favourite all time Man United player is, I don't think I'd I'd take long to respond with. Rude Van Nistelrooy. And I don't think that's the first name that would come off every United fans list. I think, you know, all United fans love him, but there'd be the Cantonars, the Ronaldos, et cetera, that, that would come before. But he would, to me, and you, and it won't, won't surprise you to know that I, I put a lot of stock in this, right? He's so, so consistent, so reliable, so trustworthy. There is no one I would ever have swapped in a one-on-one situation or with a chance at their feet in the box. I absolutely loved the guy. So... I've always had a bit of a penchant for players who just sniff in and around that that six-yard box and are like your typical number nine poachers. And Huang, you know, looked like that in that in that game. And and obviously one game wasn't enough to to kind of be sure that he could always do that. But I was at the time looking for a cheap forward option to enable me to spend money elsewhere in my team. And there was so few, like we were pretty much everyone had Tony in their team at the start of the season because he was the cheapest viable option. And even he wasn't that cheap at like 6.5. So an opportunity to get someone who was even cheaper, kind of, I was almost like, 
you know self-fulfilling prophecy like looking at it wanting it to be you know a viable option and yeah he he sort of did look like that and now we've got this extra evidence of him having worked his way into the team he's built up a relationship with him and Ez which is obviously massive if you want to be starting for Wolves um when you add in the fact that Wolves have been so poor in front of goal um when he wasn't starting you know his his presence one adds that sniffer poacher element coming in from the left that, that he brings in and of himself but also if it improves Jimenez's output as well then of course why why would you not have have Huang in your team if you're if you're the Wolves manager so it looks like he's those starts that he was seeming to get before the international break might well continue um and and therefore at, the, at his price um you know his expected goal involvement isn't as high as some other forwards in the game but considering his minutes you know he hasn't really had that many minutes yet and he's already had more expected goal involvement than Kane than Ings than even Dennis who's in a lot of teams because of his price from Watford despite only being 0.3 million cheaper than Wang um similar to Watkins although Watkins has been injured and not played all the, all the minutes either so yeah um I think I think he's definitely looking like a like an option yeah, he comes into my thinking, I guess, if you know, if, if you do fall on the side of the Sal Antonio side of things, then you can save yourself two million by switching to switching to Huang and and yeah, seeing you know I guess put put those funds elsewhere, possibly into more premium defenders. And as as we've said, you know, Chelsea defenders with their fixture run cost a lot of money. City have an okay run, their defenders cost a lot of money and um Trent's back uh, seems to be back in training and, and, and is likely to be fit again as well. So you know, maybe that's maybe we're seeing a bit of a shift uh, to, back towards premium defenders, and that means you do need to find bargains elsewhere. And maybe Huang is the best sort of value option um, among among forwards. I think something I f- for, or you or I forgot to say during the Antonio keep or sell as well is that there isn't one reason to keep Antonio potentially is that that there isn't like an equivalent, like a price point in terms of. Um, uh, you know, like a DCL or a Bamford who who are playing or fit or looking like they've got a decent fixture run or whatever um, at at the moment. So that 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 would make you perhaps lean towards keeping Antonio. However, as you've said, if a reason to perhaps sell him would be if you if you're confident enough to to swap to a Huang. Now Huang is maybe not as likely to get you as many returns as well as. Antonio, although given the point you made about West Ham's fixtures, maybe that's debatable. But um, even if he isn't as likely to get as many returns, he's likely to start at least. And having that third bench option as as a, or even if it's your second bench option as a starter, but if if it allows you to put that extra two or three million into those defenders who, um, with the decent fixture runs coming up, might well get clean sheets and attacking returns, then perhaps the overall kind of offset in your team would be worth it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, certainly. And then let's finish, Andy, on our radar with uh, a trifecta of midfielders that we've spoken about so much on the FPL lounge, but it is worth highlighting these three again, just because their status ahead of game week eight is, is a little bit in question. And they've got some decent fixtures coming up too. Um, Rafinha, Diego Jota and Ferran Torres. I think for Rafinha, obviously, he's likely to be playing for um, he's likely to be playing for Brazil tonight. Um I think minutes to be to be monitored there, but then he has to fly back and Leeds playing uh, at three o'clock on Saturday. So it's how much uh, how much sort of game time he's he's likely to get, and whether Bielsa sort of starts him or brings him off the bench, or you know, you know doesn't even put him in the in, in the squad possibly for for game week eight is 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 a kind of a, you know a bit of a question mark. I guess why we're why we've got him on the radar, Andy, just Leeds' fixtures are also very, very good going forward. And there doesn't seem to be many other Leeds assets that we'd like to really invest in, I guess, at this stage. 
No, I think I think that is it. I mean, to be honest, it isn't just a Leeds thing with 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 Rafinha for me. I think he he just proved himself now to be a really consistent performer. His underlying numbers were good for a lot of last season. They've been, they've they weren't didn't start great at the start of this year, but they they've they've got better. He's had a couple of returns now. He's just such a good player for his price. Like if he was playing for it in a different team, he wouldn't cost like six point five, or I think maybe he, he's he's had a rise now, but he wouldn't be probably valued at that price. So I think the output you get for the for the money he costs. Just overall, he's great. And then, yeah, when you chuck in that that fixture run, it's Southampton, Wolves, Norwich, the next three for for Leeds. So, um, yeah, def- definitely someone I'm I'm considering. Absolutely, uh, Ferran Torres. Then Andy you know, has decent fixtures, particularly in the next three: Burnley, Brighton, Crystal Palace. But it's whether he starts, and I think we've just found out that he's got a foot injury so whether he's even going to be available or not um sort of remains to be seen so he's probably one to avoid but definitely worth mentioning in case uh, listeners haven't seen his latest injury designation yeah i mean he was he's someone who was frustrating because he didn't play as much by the time he got in my team before the international break but and and he played well and scored goals for spain during the international break so city so desperate for a number nine really wish he'd been playing at number nine for city more but yeah injured now um so if you were thinking about taking a punt on him this this week against burnley um you might you yeah you might want you might want to rethink looks like he's he's definitely not going to be but to be honest it was it was torres and all of those city midfielders i mean if you can if you can work out who is going to play and i think maybe with some injuries and people coming back maybe there are it's a bit you know, like a Mares might have to play, a Sterling maybe might even have to play. Then, then perhaps there's a punt there you could take because, as you as you alluded earlier, City kind of tend to sort of thump Burnley at, at home. But that Pep Roulette is just stronger as it's ever been, and you know, basically Grealish feels like he's the only like nailed on starter in that front sort of six. And well, you know, particularly for you and I, who when we're on wildcard, we're not thinking one week punts. We're thinking like the structure of our team, like long term. And I just don't feel like I can put a City player, um, but you know, particularly as their Champions League hasn't been going perfectly so far, and they will they will be wanting to put their strongest team out, um, you know, in midweek. It, it just it's just so hard to work out who's going to play in, in any given game. And so I think, it, yeah, Mares when he plays, great option. Grealish if he's on form, a, a good option. Although he hasn't hasn't brought his breast to, to City yet. Bernardo Silva has, by all accounts, been one of City's best players so far this season, but doesn't necessarily always chip in with, with goals and assists. So really hard to know who to get on there, despite the fact that, um, you know, at least the next uh, next two or three look, look all right fixture-wise for City. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, also Kevin De Bruyne being back in the mix as well. I'm not saying he's necessarily worth reaching for in terms of his price, but I think that does also complicate the picture and it's just you know, fewer spots simply available. And you think that De Bruyne is going to be one of the first names, like the, one of the more um, immune to Pep Roulette, but obviously you're absolutely paying a premium price uh, for that in FPL. So that leads us back to the shrine of Diego Jota, basically, Andy. Uh, Jota's a, a guy that Andy was, was on very early last year and he's never really come off him. Um, in terms of his underlying numbers, he has the third best expected goal involvement among all midfielders in the Premier League, second or third only to Salah and Mane, his teammates. Um, there seems to be some question marks, Andy, over Firmino being back fit again. But for me, and I think probably for you as well, without putting words in your mouth, we just think Jota is the superior player and is still more likely to start than Firmino is. Yeah, I, th- I mean, you never know, but you'd, you'd think 
you'd think Jota has with his performances. He, he played even, we thought Firmino might start against City. That was what the rumour was going around um, before the international break. And then Jota started that one even. So, yeah, you, you'd think he would do. And, and Klopp said he would be ready to play uh, in his in his press conference um, yesterday. So, uh, he, again, just we, we can't say more about him. We've said it already. He For his price, if he is playing through the middle for, for Liverpool, it's it's fantastic value at, at, at five points a goal. So, yeah, um, I think although we've had an already really inflated radar here, the only other thing I'd mention possibly is Southampton's fixtures. They've got arguably the best fixtures between now and the next international break. And we haven't mentioned a single Southampton player. Livermento's in a lot of teams just because how good he looks going forward. Um, it's Leeds, Burnley, Watford, the next three up for Southampton. So maybe there'd be a clean sheet or two in there, which would which would be handy. Um, but striker-wise, and just any attacking player-wise, really, they're obviously not necessarily the most creative team, Southampton. So tricky one. But but we do always like to flag up those teams that have got good fixture runs on this section. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, it's not just uh, Livermento's sort of clean sheet potential. It's also his price. You know, he's had two rises, but it's still 4.2 million. And I think, uh, yeah, with that with that run, um, he's uh, he's quite a nice enabler to you know, possibly even sort of make it into into your first first eleven for the next few. But then it's you know, you're not going to mind stashing him on your bench for the rest of the season either. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. As always, we've waffled on far too long talking about players on the radar. Uh, but when we return, we will be swimming against the tide. Here at the FPL Lounge, we are keen to hear from you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FPL underscore lounge and let us know what you think. During the season, we will have new episodes out twice a week, a preview show on a Friday and a review show on a Tuesday. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your pods so that you get the show before the all-important game week deadline. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. Welcome back then. So, Andy, we're donning our trunks. We are swimming against the tides. What are we swimming against this week? Well, I mean, sometimes uh, we're, you know, we've, we've been very open with the listeners. We're, we're struggling for one that we genuinely feel like that we authentically want to uh, swim against or, or players that we're confused why they've been brought in or brought out. But this one this week just straight away screamed, oh, got to swim against this tide. Andros Townsend is the most transferred in player this game week so far. And I just I just can't understand it. Like, I mean, yes, I understand he's had a few returns so far this season, but it's Andros Townsend. Like, he's I don't think he's ever had more than five goals in a Premier League season. And he's played a fair few. So it's I get he's done all right recently and Everton have looked good. But, oh, yeah, I mean, I stand corrected. He's had six once. But um, it, you were like... so wrong. <laughs> you were so wrong. I mean, to be fair, then, he's already got half of his best ever total this season in terms of goal returns anyway. I mean, it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on this. I think I don't feel quite strongly about it as you do. But, I mean, is there any argument because of his price that he would be worth getting in? I guess your retort is that there are just, better options you feel at his price point which is what the five and a half five point six kind of range well I mean yeah I guess at his price he is somewhat of an, an enabler Everton's fixtures aren't completely terrible they've got West Ham this week then Watford Wolves Tottenham so yeah not not really juicy but not like awful by any stretch either um if Dominic Calvert-Lewin comes back which there's rumors he might well be fit again soon then he's providing for him um and you know 
the the plan has been from the start of the season get balls in the box to to Calvert Lewin. But but yeah, as as you pointed out, I, I'd argue, and the and the underlying numbers would agree that that Gallagher and Buemo particularly are are better options in that enabler kind of category than than Townsend. I just think maybe and maybe this is wrong because Gallagher and Buemo are getting away with it from not having as long a data set in my memory at least as as Townsend does. But we've seen ten plus seasons of Andros Townsend in the Premier League. You know, there's enough information out there to know that he doesn't perform at this level consistently for a long amount of time. So, um, I just, I just, yeah, there, there, there's, there almost doesn't seem to be, you know, Brentford's fixtures change soon. So, I mean, maybe if you're really being specific, you're saying you're getting Townsend in for the next couple, and then you'll switch to Embuemo. Maybe that would be fair enough. But even then, you're kind of planning specific transfers, and who knows what could happen in two weeks? That always seems like maybe a little bit risky. Um, to do so yeah i just if if a few people were transferring him him in i don't think i'd feel so strongly as strongly about it but i think because he's more transferred in than anyone else at this point i just i just yeah i don't get that yeah i guess that is perhaps the thing i think if it had been fifth or fourth on this list we probably wouldn't be swimming against it but it's just you know he is more transferred in this week than Cancelo, than huang who we've already spoken about on our radar than rafinha rafinha who didn't have a flag until this morning i don't think uh than than, than, than you know the most salah um and it, yeah it's just and also if you look at the players that are being transferred out of teams it's it's you know, it's ronaldo it's lukaku now he has a flag it's paul pogba you know these aren't you know, these are expensive premium players, some of these. It's not like you should be necess- if you if you're getting rid of those, you don't necessarily have to scrimp elsewhere. So yeah, Townsend just feels feels a bit of an overreaction to him scoring a very good goal against Man United, but ultimately um you know it would have been a low XG chance. He's massively outperforming his XG this season. It's not gonna carry on forever. Um so yeah, happy to swim against this one. Absolutely. Oh, let's, that was maybe we've made some time back, Andy. Uh, so let's move on to captaincy. I feel like this could be fairly short as well because uh, you have written on another plug for our production notes. You've written captaincy, Salah, end of. Yeah, I think it is. So that's the end of the captaincy section. Captain Salah this week, and we'll move on, right? I mean, is there any? I mean, usually, okay, let's devil's advocate this a little bit. Usually, when we speak about uh, Liverpool players, we put Salah slash Mane slash Jota, and you haven't even done that this week. So why i guess is maybe the first question but also i mean yeah looking at it a little bit more holistically you know salah is the standout option against a watford side that have been pretty horrific all you know all year um but i guess besides game week one when i guess when they got a got a sort of um, an unexpected win against aston villa um is there are there any other players out there is there any anywhere else you know what does what do non salah owners do other than just get him in their team well, I think you make a good point about the Salah, Mane, Jota thing. That is usually like the three that we mentioned together. And so obviously, if you don't have Salah, I'm thinking you've probably got Mane. So yeah, probably captain him. Um, but but reason why we have Salah in our teams were over Mane and think to captain him before him is is you know he just looked unplayable against City. He he's in amazing form at the moment. He seems to score more goals than Mane, despite the fact Mane has better underlying numbers from open play. He seems to get more of the chances or is just more greedy and obviously is on penalty. So it's the same thing we say every week. Um, and then, yeah, when you add into that, that he just seemed, like looked in electric form, like just unstoppable, like performance against City. So that, that's what that's what makes, you know, you know me think me think Salah and, and for us to go, to go for him. Uh, outside of that, yeah, I think 
you're, you're almost playing FPL wrong if Salah's not in your not in your team. Frankly, like there might be other options, but I just don't get how you can not have him. You know, Liverpool's fixtures coming up uh, improve. Uh, they do have Man United next game week um, away. Uh, so obviously, not always the most straightforward, but but you know, I just I just think Salah's been elite for multiple years now, showing that consistency that he. Any serious FPL player would have Salah in their team, I think. And so then he's probably got to be your captain this week. So I guess in terms of sort of expected goals against this season, Watford aren't, you know, they're not the worst, about 14th, 13th. Newcastle are dead last. And obviously they have Tottenham this week, who haven't really impressed this this season at all going forward, but do have two premium assets in Son and Kane. If you own either, either of those, is there an argument? And is it just a case whereby... Tottenham going forward have been so bad that almost negates how sort of juicy the fixture is from an attacking point of view for them. I mean, I think maybe there is. Like, maybe I'm being a bit too over the top on the whole Liverpool thing. Like you say, Newcastle have conceded a lot more XG than Watford have. Um, It is away from home and it's going to be a very boisterous, happy Newcastle crowd. I wonder the long travel with Son, whether that will affect things. Um, All those Geordies supporting you know, uh, horrendous human rights abuses. That's not, nothing we like more, is there, Andy, in the FPL well, lounge? I know I know you'll have just wound up at least one Geordie that listens to this uh, and possibly more. So by by saying that, you, you can't just let them have their moment, Chris, can you? No, but, I can't. <laughs> but no, I mean, I think I'm not, I hate to be one of those. I, I don't like buying into the whole crowd, uh, you know, being able to affect things to that extent uh, type of, pundits i suppose if that's what we want to call ourselves but um but i actually really think it could do here that we're, we're seeing an almost extreme pendulum swim reaction to the impact home advantage is having this season compared to last year when there were no crowds so uh given how sort of yeah buzzing they're going to be um maybe that might be difficult but on the other hand they, they don't suddenly become a fantastic team overnight newcastle right and um yeah uh, I guess if for whatever reason Watford uh, are particularly resolute, I mean, I remember a game, was it a couple of years ago or when it, when uh, Watford stopped Liverpool from, uh, were, the, were the first team to beat Liverpool and stop them from from becoming yeah. the Invincibles that season. So Ismail Assar, I think, had a, had a hell of a game, I believe, if memory serves, but but yeah. Yeah, so I mean, maybe may, 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 may Son Kane. I think what, I wouldn't be convinced on it, but but then if you want to take a little bit of a bit of a risk, because uh, um, maybe may, maybe maybe fair enough. I mean, Kane didn't look great for England, having said that, so I'd probably lean towards Son out the two. But one that interests me more really is Cancelo. We spoke about on the radar how um, we would struggle to um, pick a City midfielder or attacker just because of the whole rotation thing. But look, you know, I said to you yesterday when we were when we were planning, sometimes when you step up to the roulette wheel. Your number, your number comes up, and and if you do happen to pick a Mares and he plays and he destroys Burnley, and you've got the armband on him, you could be absolutely laughing. But Cancelo, you know, you can never be sure with Pep. But um, he has played every game so far this season for City in the league. They've seemed to have settled on that back four of Cancelo, uh, Diaz, Laporte, Walker being the the back four. 
if Cancelo plays, I think he did well against Burnley last season, if I remember rightly. And, you know, this is another one of those games where he'll be stepping into midfield a lot. Um, you'd expect a Man City clean sheet in this game. And so, therefore, you, you're off to a good start already. And then any kind of attack in return, you're suddenly in fantastic captain territory. So I feel like Cancelo is, is the one, if it was to be anyone, that might persuade me away from Salah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, just to kind of add to that, as, as you mentioned, when talking about, about Newcastle and that home advantage, home advantage has kind of come to come to the fore considerably more this season. I think when we discussed captaincy in game week five, we were very much like, you know, if you've got a premium asset at home, then you're going to go for it. And it's, there aren't that many this, this week, frankly. Um, you know, a lot of the big sides, Liverpool, Man United, Chelsea, you know, Spurs all the way from home, Man City being the ones that aren't, but it's really difficult to kind of, you know, pick, you know, which which asset you're going to go for because of Pep Roulette. So yeah, maybe Jao Cancelo at home to Burnley does feel like a good option. But yeah, it. Um, I mean, you know, we don't we don't do team reveals on the FPL lounge, but I think both of us have Salah. Both of us will be putting the armband on Salah, and uh, and yeah, that feels as 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 cut and dry as as it possibly could. Uh, let's wrap up, Andy, as we always do with a game we like to call "Who the heck is Stat." Uh, this is a little game where Andy and I take it in turns to pick a player from the FPL universe. They have to be owned by at least 5% of managers. And then we hear five clues to guess who they are. If we get it after the first clue, we get five points. After the second clue, uh, four points and so on and so forth. Every time we hear a clue, uh, we have the opportunity to stick or twist with our previous guests. So we don't reveal the answer to uh, until the end. So it allows you to play along wherever you're listening to the FPL podcast. And we have a two minute time limit between each clue. Feels a few weeks ago since I've uh, since I've well done that introduction, but also since we played. So we did have to listen back to our own podcast to find out what the hell the score was. Uh, it turns out I got three points in the last one, uh, puts me six five in the lead. But Andy does have a go in hand, which means I'm picking for him this week. How are you feeling? I guess you've been possibly doing some research into your wildcard, so maybe that's an advantage this week. Maybe, maybe I haven't done really much though other than what we spoke about together. So. I would like to have done more, uh, but yeah, I guess it's not completely cold. But I, I don't I want to like... put like the mockers on this. I don't, but I think this, these clues are a bit easier than mine clues would ordinarily be. Now I, I hope I haven't given you the kiss of death here. The but... thing is, well, every time you've said that in the past, I found it difficult, and actually the other way around as well. When you think it might be tricky, I've kind of done better. So yeah, uh, we'll see. Let's just get yeah. on with it, and we'll find out. Crack on then. All right. So clue one uh, is this player's 11th FPL season, but do not be fooled. He has only registered points in six of them. Uh, not registered. So he's not registered points in five of his FPL seasons, and this is his 11th. This is his 11th. And obviously must be owned by greater than 5%. So you'd think he, he's in and around a team this year if he wasn't in and around a team in every year he's played. Uh, this is difficult, obviously, to even think of anyone at this point. So it's going to be someone who's either injured a lot or might have been out on loan, maybe, or a young player, perhaps. But that would take quite a long time to get into the team if there was like five seasons where you don't register points. So someone who's been like in and out kind of on loan uh in the in the in the past like maybe registered for their team uh like i mean obviously it's not batshuayi but like someone like a batshuayi who's had lots of loans but somehow managed to stay at the the team <sighs> who could it possibly be i mean yeah um 
I'm struggling to even think of an of, of an option here. Like look at, looking down the fixtures for this week, as I usually do, it was my way of of thinking of players like Watford. Who the hell would that be? Liverpool. Who could possibly played eleven seasons is even the starting point. Um, United Rashford wouldn't have played as much as that. Um, Luke Shaw, but he would have even the seasons. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be difficult here. I'm not even going to be able to think of one to even start the the guessing, I don't think. So, like, I don't think of anyone. Well, obviously, we spoke about Townsend earlier. I'm pretty sure it's not him, but he he at least is. That's about, that was about 10 or 11 seasons we looked at. So, I was going to say Townsend. Okay, no worries. Let's move on to clue two then. Despite this, he has registered 100 points or more in two of his six scoring seasons, including once where he scored five goals and another where he registered 10 clean sheets. Who the heck is Stat? Yeah, so more than 100 points twice, did you say? Yep. So you said five goals in one of those seasons and then 10 clean sheets in the other of those seasons. I mean, the fact you've mentioned clean sheets would, and goals would make me feel like it might be a defender, but then that could easily be like, I mean, Andros Townsend is a midfielder. Midfielders get clean sheet points and he famously uh, had one season where he got more than five goals, so it can't be him. But, uh, you know, could have been him within the range of those numbers. So um, that makes it difficult. Um, I mean... So five goals would be a standout thing if it was a defender, though. Um, otherwise, there might be a season where he might have got more. Um, I, just, I don't even know how to fill the time, really, because I can't even think of extra things that help me. Um, Ten clean sheets. In, I mean, over 100 points twice in the last 11 years. 100 points isn't even that high a bar. So it's just really difficult. I mean, this could just be so many people. Like, the, the, it's not a particularly big person, like name-wise. Um, over a hundred points twice. That's such a low bar. Um, Thirty seconds. So likely a defender. Five goals. Maybe they're on free kicks or like they bomb forward. Uh, I'm just. Uh, it's not going to be this person. I just have to say Andy Robertson. Okay. Clue three then. This season, three clean sheets and two attacking returns have led him to be one of the top five highest owned defenders in the game. Who the heck is that? One of the top five highest owned defenders in the game. Um, how many goals was it? Uh Two attacking returns. Oh, two two attacking returns, right. Three clean sheets. So there's not many teams. I've got to try and remember back. We were looking at like team stats yesterday. It was like Chelsea had kept something like three clean sheets. Uh, Okay, maybe this is big Trev Chalobah then because he has had a couple of goals. He might well have been registered in a fair few seasons. He's had a lot of loans. Um, okay at least this is an option I think Chelsea had I think it was three clean sheets we said Um, so at least that gives me an option 
Um, would he be top five highest owned though? That now nah, that puts me off big time. He couldn't. He couldn't possibly be. He couldn't. Nah. He couldn't be. So that's that's out the window. Um, who else could have been like out on loan loads or, or older and owned? I mean. Who else? Who else has? Who else has done well clean sheets wise this season? I can't remember. Seconds. I can't really remember off the top of my head. Um, I mean, I remember Everton were. So I mean, Dean might have, but he went over in eleven seasons. Everton had had loads of clean sheets though. I don't think it was just the XG. Um, Ten seconds. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I have to say Chalaber, but it won't be him. Okay. Despite only registering six of his... Sorry, I'll start again. Despite only registering points in six of his 11 FPL seasons, this season was only the third time he started at the lowest possible starting price. Who the heck is that? Right, so someone who started at 4 million. Um... Okay. Three clean sheets. Top five highest owned defenders in the game. Yeah. Um, so Livramento is an option. Amati is an option. I don't. Livramento could be top five owned given how much of a neighbour he is, but there's just no way he could be. Um, I don't think they've had three clean sheets. 11 seasons as well, don't we? Yeah, yeah oh yeah, it could be 11 seasons. Um, okay, who else has been good for Brighton? Usually good for expected goals. Um, don't know what they've been like clean sheet-wise. Trying to think. Players that... Uh, I guess they've had Duffy who has come back to them this season. He would have started at four. I think he's 4.4 now, and I, but, and I, but that's, I think, because he had a rise and he's just had loads of rises. So if he's had loads of rises, he could be quite high-owned. Um, I don't know if Brighton have had three clean sheets, though. Um, I'm just... They're often good at having low XG conceded. Um, 30 seconds. Who else... Wool, no, Wool haven't kept clean sheets particularly. Who has though this season? Um, United definitely haven't. City, could there be any of Walker? Right amount of time, but won't have been. 10 seconds. Right. Uh, I have to go uh, Duffy. Okay. And then final clue. This week, he describes his form while on loan at Celtic last season as so bad a blind man can see it. Who the heck is that? Right, well then that was that is Shane Duffy because he was on loan at Celtic last season. So yeah, didn't find that particularly easy as as predicted, but but it it's obviously must be Duffy. Two points to Andy Case. Shane Duffy it is. I think I think possibly when I said it's well, at least it was possibly a bit easier, there was only ever really one person it could have been. And obviously you've got to get that person, but you did get the position in clue too. And then well, you've got his price in clue four and his his high ownership in clue three. So I felt like that was 
not leading a horse to water, but more generous than some of our clues are. I think that's probably where I'm... Well, we couldn't confirm it was definitely a defender in clue two. So, no, true, true, true. Uh, I wasn't also, that wasn't that going to be that mean? Say like clean sheets, highlight two, clean sheets when it's a midfielder. Yeah, well, that's what that's that's what I suspected. Yeah. yeah, that that would be cruel to do. But yeah, no. Anyway, I mean, I got two points at least. So interesting. Yeah. Top five. That just did not spring to my mind at all. I haven't really looked at that recently. Yeah. Once you'd come to once you'd come to Duffy, you realised that yeah, it was uh, he. Yeah, all everything kind of applied to him, and yeah, he's like got twenty five percent ownership. It's insane. But there we are. I think he's just above. Trent, who obviously has a diminishing ownership because of a flag, but yeah, there we are. Anyway, uh, exciting. Yeah, so that's you take the lead back to seven six, but it's all to play for going going forward. Uh, let's leave it there, Andy. We've gone on way too long as we always do, uh, but it is. I've got to say, it's good to be back. Uh, so if you have missed us, how can our listeners tell us how much they've missed us? Well, they can find us on Twitter or Instagram at fpl underscore lounge, and yes. Do let us know uh, if you're glad that we're back. I suppose let us also know if you're not glad that we're back. Uh, don't don't, don't want to know. No, no, no fair enough. Don't, yeah, don't don't want to know that. Just tell us how amazing we are, how much you've missed us, and um, and yeah, I think uh, we did have some quite good uh, feedback. I guess you know, despite the editing issues, we had some fairly good feedback to some parts of our game week five preview so yeah if, if if you'd like a little bit more things along along those lines then then yeah obviously obviously let, let us know yeah absolutely and um you know chris would always usually say subscribe and all that jazz make make sure you give us a uh a review if you can it does it does all make a difference and i found out recently that we can't hold a twitter we, we, we're considering doing some kind of live stream of the pod at some point maybe but we can't spaces until you've got 300 followers apparently so, you know, tell your friends about us, share the love. We want to grow. We do this for free. So uh, help help us get the word out there. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't didn't know that. So, yeah, let's uh, let's get on those Twitter spaces. And, and, and yeah, let's uh, let's keep things going on. Um, we will be back. Uh, well, we haven't actually discussed this, but I assume we're going to, be, going to be basically back to normal now. I think we're going to be trying and be back. Uh, we're going to try and record our review shows on a Sunday going forward, Andy, aren't we? Because I think we're both playing five-a-side football on, on a Monday now. How, how exciting. And we get yeah. to put our uh, get to put our, all of our FPL knowledge to use in a very small-sided game where you can't kick the ball overhead height. So, you know, the really, you know, transferable skills all around, although I do have a dodgy dodgy hamstring at the moment. Uh, so hopefully, yeah, we'll be back to review game week eight um, pretty early next week. It should be in your podcast feed. Uh, but Andy, until then. Thanks for joining us in the FPL Lounge. <laughs>